This week on Ultra 64, we played Starshot Space Circus Fever, the only French circus that'll make you long for Cirque du Soleil. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the space shootingest, clown jumpingest, rocket fuelingest, bad cameraingest video game podcast on the whole wide internet. My name is Steve. Dunham. I am Big Top Woody Siskowski. <laughs> that is the sequel to my first movie, uh, Woody Siskowski's Big Adventure. Not quite as memorable as your first uh, encounter, but you know, still a little better than your 2016 Netflix reboot. My holiday, which is just weird. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Keen-eared listeners will notice that we have a new theme song this week. We're very excited about this. That song is called Truck, and it's by a band called The Octopus Project. Uh, I have been a big fan of The Octopus Project for a couple years now. I saw them play live at the High Dive in Denver when I used to live there. And uh, I just thought they were so much fun, and I was really hooked on this song. And actually, when I was going out looking for music for this podcast i was looking for something that would be similar to this i'm like all right i'm looking for something with the same some kind of energy some boops same kind of beeps and boops same kind of energy and i could never find anything quite right so we've had this perfectly serviceable kind of public domain theme song for a while but this last week i reached out to the octopus project and i asked if they would let us use it and uh josh the lead singer or the lead musician there's no real singing but the lead musician wrote back to me and said uh said yes so thank Excellent. you so much to josh and everybody uh, you can check out all their albums on iTunes. They have a new one that just came out. It's the soundtrack to the movie Damsel, uh, and that's really great. That movie stars Robert Pattinson, and it's uh, kind of a comedy western that's supposed to be really cool. I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, and uh, my personal favorite is Hello Avalanche. Uh, that's the album the truck is off of, and it's really fun, but you can find all of these on iTunes, and check theoctopusproject.com for tour dates coming up. They tour quite a bit. They're really great. Thank you very much, guys, for letting us use your song. We're very excited. So if um, if you had to describe a movie called The Octopus Project, mm. what would that movie be about? I think it, it would, would be like Tusk, Kevin Smith's Tusk. I was thinking more a sequel to uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, you know, like okay. a documentary about the sushi maker. Yeah, I think it would be about trying to make the ultimate bite of sushi out of octopus. Got it. And they would come up with the octopus burger that they sell over in Japan over at McDonald's. It's really gross that I, I refuse to try it. I oh, there was, just, that was a real thing. That's, that's a real thing. Yeah, it's okay. a, just a burger with just a tentacle on it. I think you um, could make a cool movie about like traveling around the world and going to McDonald's at like lots of different countries in the world to. and being like, hey. Because I tend to do that when I travel. Like mm-hmm. I, I did that in Peru Like because we first got off the plane and I'm very jet lagged and very tired. So I just went to bed. And then by the time I woke up, everybody else in my group had already gone and eaten. So I just needed to wander and find the nearest McDonald's and just eat their food. And it tastes about the same. International travel really gives you, an, really gave me an appreciation of McDonald's. Cause yeah, the the fries there are very comforting and. It's, you know, it's the little differences. It is. Example. (laughs) Example. (laughs) Anyway, this week we are playing a game called Starshot Space Circus Fever. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We could even even tie it in. Example. You know what they call Banjo-Kazooie in France? (laughs) (laughs) They don't call it (laughs) Banjo-Kazooie. They They call call it it Starshot Space Circus Fever. This weird clown game. All right, so going into this game... I had never heard of this. I had, I had no idea what the hell this game was about. All I just knew was there was kind of a cartoony clown on the label. So we had no idea what this was about. And so 
Uh, I gave us each a homework assignment to write our own descriptions, and we also reached out to our Facebook community and Twitter community and asked them, what do you think this game is about? So we're going to go through some of those right now. Do you want to start with yours? Um, No, I think we should save ours since we're the people running the podcast. We'll save ours for last? Yeah. Okay. Since ours are clearly the best. Obviously. And and the longest. All right. Let's start with – so this first one is from Jacob Lowry who writes – It looks like the sequel to Math Blaster that I used to play in elementary school that was all about multiplication and required a Sound Blaster sound card. So I assume this one has you solving division problems. Yeah. I really wish it was about solving division problems. I, I know, I know exactly the cover he's talking about. Yeah, I, totally I had that game. That. It, was, it was great. Um, Danny Klein says a mini game compilation with a carnival setting where you become more and more entrenched in a hallucinatory fever dream. <laughs> by the end, you're surrounded by a Geiger-esque landscape trying to regain your sanity by winning at surreal ring toss. Oh my God, I want to play this. Yeah. This sounds kind of like Clive Barker. Like, Clive Barker circus. circus. Stuff. Yeah. I want to see. Uh, I want to go to like a carnival and just have a booth that says "surreal ring toss." Yes, and then there's just like a in one hand is just like the head of like uh, Tim Allen, and then the <laughs> ring that you have to throw it on is just like. Uh, in our yeah, someone's arm. It's Al's arm from yeah, exactly. And every time it lands on the arm, he goes. Ugh! I would play that. Yeah, it'd be pretty. This surreal. actually, this game actually reminds me of Kiss Psycho Circus. Did you play that on the Dreamcast? No. It's garbage, but it's on the Dreamcast. Uh, Rosie Crow, our old friend Rosie Crow, writes: Little Billy and his space seal friend Skippy are sent to a Hunger Games style circus arena to fight to the death for the entertainment of galactic overlords. Yeah. I mean, the the rocket character in this does look kind of like a seal, or like the, yeah, so a little bit. All right. Going with okay. another uh, beloved co-host. Jessica Cartwright. Yeah. It reminds her of what it's like being inside a child so hyped up on sugar that they think they are rampaging through a circus in the middle of space, literally trying to shoot down and blow up all the stars in the universe while screaming incoherently, <laughs> which sounds, again, like a great game, which yeah. is much higher level of energy than we actually have going i think so and that's that's a very jessica answer i love that <laughs> uh danielle rupinski writes sonic the hedgehog's third cousin twice removed ralph dances with the devil when he tries a psychedelic drug space shot for the first time join him and his hallucinatory friend mr pants <laughs> as they trip balls at the local church carnival what ensues could best be described by what Ralph mumbled deliriously as he approached the Gravitron. Space circuit fever. Space shot. Space circus fever. Are you ready to take the ride? I love the tagline in there, Danielle. Thank you. Um, I just like, awesome. You'd like to follow up on that. Do you know that there's actually a video game character named Mr. Pants? Yeah. Yeah, it it's was, it's uh, it's the game's called It's Mr. Pants, yeah. right? Yeah, it was a puzzle game by Rare, I think. I think so. It was on the... Was it on Game Boy Advance? Yes. Uh, yeah, if I recall. Yeah, yeah that, that's a weird-ass game. And it kind of looks like a like a hand-drawn, like a stick figure guy. Unfortunately, Mr. Pants not actually featured in this game. Luke Ramsdorf. Luke, Luke Ramsdorf Terry. Yes, hyphenate. That's my old college roommate. Oh, okay. Good friend of mine. Hi, Luke. Um, Starshot is a hotshot pilot who flies to traveling space circus transport. Who, ah, let me restart. Yes. Starshot is a hotshot pilot who flies a traveling space circus transport known as Fever <laughs> on what should be a routine trip to planet Glenn 64 for a <laughs> scheduled performance. The space-time continuum goes haywire, and Starshot has to make things right using his ace pilot skills with his sidekick Zoom, a Troyordian rocket dog snake. Starshot <laughs> has to get the timeline right or else Space Circus will miss their big show. 
I love the term Rocket Dog Snake. I'm yeah. going to keep that in mind. That might be my next trivia team name. <laughs> Rocket Dog Snake. Remind me of that. I'm going to okay. forget. Uh, this one comes from my very own wife. Uh, Nicole Vatisse writes, It's a Space Jam ripoff where the aliens kidnap P.T. Barnum. <laughs> he then has to perform every act in a circus, like lion taming, human cannibal, trapeze, etc. That's already better than The Greatest Showman. Like that. Yeah. It reminds me of the uh, the Simpsons episode where the mob kidnaps Homer. Who's, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd just like to go on record saying that might be the greatest Simpson episode. Oh, Homie the Clown? Yeah. That one's up there. That's one of the funniest ones. Um, this, ooh, we got, we got tweets. Yeah, this is a Twitter submission. So this is, I don't know this person's name except for their at Troitel Power. Yeah. Abandoned by his family, Star invented robot companions to keep him company, then started his circus with them to earn cash. Unfortunately, a mob hitman killed his robot family, and so he became the ward of a space cape crusader and joined his campaign to fight space crime. <laughs> I'm really curious as to the situation where the mob hitman needs to kill the robots, yeah. but not the action, not the person. Like, the robots owe him money, but... But I feel like that would be... We would dig into that in the text of the game. Like, I feel like there would be more explanation for it as we play, because this is a very well-crafted game. Yeah, and these were all excellent, excellent suggestions. These are fantastic, I be, yeah. I would be interested to play any one of these games. Any um, one of them over Starshot, actually. Um, well, I mean, this game, you know, it... It lives up to the. It has its own weird premise going. Yeah, it's. I think. All right. Well, let's let's do ours real quick all so right. that we. Uh, do you want to? Here, I'll I'll do mine first because okay. yours is a, a script and it's more fun. Um, all right. So yeah, because we're the hosts, we went a little extra with it, and uh, I, I wrote kind of a longer one. So I was inspired by the Valiant Comics character Bloodshot because I heard Starshot, and I figured, okay, so we need some kind of gritty, violent origin story. So here we go. Space, the year twenty one XX. The galaxy has been split into two eternally warring factions. The Unification, which includes forces from Earth, wage war against the cruel and vicious Krug, a parasitic alien race that has been carving a path of destruction throughout the galaxy. Identified by their clown-like coloring and ravenous appetite, the Krug mindlessly infect and destroy planet after planet, destroying the resources and absorbing the living beings into their hive mind. They are inexhaustible, seemingly invulnerable, and winning the war. The planet's circus is a small world, little more than a moon orbiting a distant star. Its inhabitants are peaceful, and its natural bounty is rich. To Jack Switchblade, a humble farmer and devoted family man, it's home. To the Krug, it's just another dish in their smorgasbord of destruction. The Krug invade and mercilessly ravage the peaceful planet. Jack Switchblade is forced to watch as one by one his children, his friends, and his beloved wife are subjugated to the horrors of the Krug. Soon, Jack himself is attacked, infected by the blade-like proboscis of his insectoid invader. As his planet falls around him, Jack huddles alone in his devastated home, waiting for the sweet sucker of death, or worse, assimilation. And yet, death doesn't come. Though Jack's skin has adopted the pastel pallor that denotes a fatal Krug infection, he remains a firm hold on his consciousness. After days of laying in a stupor, he finds the will to forge for some food, slowly rebuilding his strength off the pitiable morsels the Krug have left behind. He finds, to his amazement, that not only is he alive, he is stronger than ever before. Able to leap to incredible heights, his body an armored carapace, his mind sharp and aware, he feels different. It is by mere chance that he is able to meet up with an envoy from Earth, part of a squadron tasked with the miserable prospect of searching for life on Krug-stricken worlds. This squad has never encountered a survivor, that is, until now. The Unification troops recognize the potential in Jack's switchblade as a weapon against the Krug, and Jack, the kind farmer he was before, now long gone, can think only of revenge. 
he becomes the unification's first and only line of defense, an unstoppable warrior for justice for whom all the blood in the universe will not quench his thirst. He is death. He is justice. He is Starshot. Very nice. There we go. Yeah, yeah. that's... I don't know if I would rather play that game, honestly. I don't know. That's a little more of a generic game <laughs> yeah. Yeah, than, than what we actually wound up with. Um, all right, let me open up your, your all right, file so here. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually switch roles on you here. Um, oh, okay. You you, wanna... you play Starshot on here. I'll play the Chief because I'm already noticing a typo. Oh, okay. I definitely like last second put this thing together. So. Okay. All right. So um, all right. So yeah. yeah, here's yours. All right. So Starshot Space Circus Fever. The game opens on a gruff alien creature pushing papers at his desk. He works fast as he grumbles to himself with a sort of J. Jonah Jameson-like tone. He uses his third arm protruding from the back of his head to bring a large, glowing cigar to his mouth. A bright puff of neon-orange haze is released as he puffs on it. The door to his office opens, and a skinny man in a bright yellow suit stumbles in. Ah, Starshot. Thanks for coming in on such short notice. What's this about, Chief? Still no good at the small talk, huh? Look, we we both know that I'm out. I told you years ago, I'm not coming back. Why are you wasting our time for? What are you wasting our time for? Damn it. I didn't call you here to dig up the past. The flying trapeze incident was rough on all of us. They were chopped down with the greatest of ease. It was up to me. I'd leave you all alone in that tent of yours to gorge yourself on candy corn and salted peanuts. But I can't. Our situation is beyond top here. I'm talking big, big top. I already told you I'm out. Find someone else. There is no one else. What? It's back, Starshot. Circus fever is back. Our whole unit has been affected. Half of them already melted into confetti. The other half are back in the infirmary, shitting ribbons and balloons. <laughs> the entire clandestine league of weird ninjas is out of commission. Well, sounds like a mess. Yeah, you're telling me. There's still rainbow splatter on the windows. Tent popped up right in the middle of the station. Took everyone completely by surprise. Luckily, I was out for my weekly mani-pedi at the time. So what do you want me to do? The chief points to a board behind him with tacks connected by yarn. The tents have been coming up with no warning. Both planets Barnum and planet Bailey have already been infected. Judging by the pattern, the next tent will be opening here. The cotton candy planet. We need you to infiltrate the tents. Make your way past the lion's elephants and knife throwers and find the ringmaster find the cure to the circus fever and save the galaxy well i guess i have no choice you don't welcome back to c-l-o-w-n starshot fade out i i don't know why i went with the don knots as an action hero in mode of that but uh, i i don't regret I, my choice no it was I great i think there. we would have had um you know, I kind of just originally wrote it as kind of a Metal Gear Solid type of ripoff. Yeah, I um, like it. And I think that I like you taking it in a different direction <laughs> since I was already doing the, <laughs> the gruff, angry voice. We weren't competing with each other. I would just, yeah, I would like to just, you know, restate my, my proudness of coming up with the clandestine league of weird ninjas. <laughs> or clown. I love it. Uh, those were thank you everybody who wrote in. Those were all awesome, and uh, that takes a lot of the work off of us because. Uh, so I don't know who who would you say came the closest? Um, I think you came pretty close. I, I almost want to give it to Danny or Danielle, the ones who went with like the really psychedelic bent on it. It's so all right. Well, let's. Nobody nailed it. No, nobody got it exactly right. It, it's simpler. I would say that it's simpler than. Um, 
we probably overcomplicated it a little bit. But yeah. I, one thing I did nail was the cigar-wielding J. Jonah Jameson-like oh, yeah. uh, boss telling you what to do. That was absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah you he got did not that have a right. third head but, or a no. third arm. but Which is to his detriment because yeah. I feel like that would have benefited. So, yeah, let's talk about um, the story here real quick, and then we'll get into the the like who made this game and stuff. Okay, so here here's what this is actually about. All right, so... Okay. Starshot, our, that's our main character, and he is a star juggler, and he's part of this traveling space circus, which yep. is just called Space Circus, uh, and that's exactly what it sounds like. The space circus travels from planet to planet, and it advertises itself by launching missiles at the planet. Yeah, so this is the first thing you see, is it opens on this this sort of council of, kind of like a Star Wars council of elders yeah. sitting around, and you know, this guy smoking a cigar, mustache, says, launch the missile, and you're like, oh, who are these guys? And you see this missile come down to a planet, Yeah, and then it's revealed that, oh, this is actually just a promotional missile... A promotional missile. A promotional <laughs> missile. I think we need to circus. really reiterate this fact. All right, it comes. It, the, the missile stops itself a few inches from the face of like a local on this planet, this yep. like beach planet that's called Ten Suns, and it just stops a couple inches from his head, and then it unfolds, and it's like, oh, the space circus is coming down. And I mean, I I feel like a, a couple of robots come forward and they blast the missile. Yeah. Which I feel like is a completely valid response. I feel like your planet has just been attacked. An act of war has just happened. You are defending yourself. But back on the space circus, the, the leader, the big fat guy, looks like it was Space Taft. Yeah. Uh, his name is Star Crash. And uh, he, he cannot understand why they would destroy his promotional yeah. missile. And his, the circus is not doing well. No, they're, the they're losing struggling. money, and he, this missile plan does not help at all and then it's revealed that a competing circus virtuous circus Mm -hmm. is actually already on this planet and they were the ones who destroyed the missile yeah so it wasn't like just a planet defending itself it was two (laughs) rival warring factions of circus performers trying to stake out the same territory and there's a bit of a turf war going on so we get star crash wants uh someone to go down to the planet to investigate who blew up the missile. And uh, so they send, he sends Willfall. That's his first right, person. That's his first kind choice. of a blob it's with kind of like googly a, eyes on it. Yeah, it's kind of like a toy vacuum cleaner almost. Mm. Like, I don't know why this would be your first choice. Yeah, it's very odd. And then Willfall says, mm. can I bring Starshot with me? The space, the star juggler. Yeah. And so I don't know why this Willfall character is even in the game at all. I don't know because he kind of just follows you around. He doesn't really have a function. I feel like maybe this is a real, like, I mean, because as we'll get into, this game is a ripoff of Banjo-Kazooie. Oh, yeah, pretty blatantly. It seems pretty clear in that. So they're like, who's going to be our second character yeah. to make this match? And they're like, I guess we'll have the smart-alecky blob, blob with eyeballs to replace Kazooie. And at one point, but, it seems like they're trying to give it, like, a Brooklyn accent. Because he comes <laughs> back, he says, Mr. Starcraft. They spell out Mr. And, like, I don't know. So you, but, I mean, it, it seems like nobody thinks very highly of Starshot, and he doesn't speak. He doesn't speak. seem to say anything. He's just, uh, he's the muscle. And they say that he can juggle the stars, and I don't know exactly what this means. Is that what your, like, gun is when you're, like, shooting people? Uh, that is also very unclear. That's left very unclear. Because I feel like... He does not seem... It's amazing that he can juggle anything, being as the difficulty to even shoot straight in this game. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yes. It's a real problem. 
So, okay, so, but this is all just kind of the prelude to the main plot. So, Wait, you go so down. the first level is you you have the Virtuous Circus yeah. is, is planted there, and you go deactivate their force field and destroy the legs of their spaceship, so they need to fly up and leave yeah. the planet. So, yeah, that's your tutorial level. So that's your tutorial. It takes a long time, but you're, you're eventually you're supposed to shoot the legs out of the ship, it flies away, and then you go back to Space Circus. And you think everything's fine, but then you are approached by a robot envoy from the Galactic Bank, who tells you that uh, you are late on your loan repayment? You owe the bank three million omnibucks, and you have <laughs> three ten, million omnibucks. You yeah. have ten days to repay the Galactic Bank, or they'll blow up. And the, the, the person telling you this reveals my mission: if you don't pay in ten days, is to explode. Yes. And in addition to being a messenger, I'm also a three megaton bomb. Yes. And then it screws itself into the spaceship. Yeah, it just locks itself down and then just says, oh, look, we're, we're totally reasonable. We're going to give you a chance. But if you don't pay us back in ten days, we're going to kill you. Yeah. Uh, so now the premise of the game is that you're going to be going from planet to planet trying to find acts to drum up ticket sales mm-hmm. and you can get like the big show the rarest the rarest acts in the galaxy yeah it's a regular greatest showman it's a greatest showman meets the blues brothers yeah. trying to get the band back together <gasps> uh and so i feel like that story is weirder than any story that we could have thought up on our own yeah okay that's it's- a really strange premise for a game because especially it can't be overstated that like Star Crash, your boss, is a villain. I feel yeah, like we first, are playing as henchmen for a supervillain. The first action is him trying to shoot a missile. I just can't get past that. Like, that that that's a valid thing to do to somebody. And then we're supposed to sympathize and be like, oh, no, it makes total sense. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this game has sort of a sense of humor about it. As weird as that aspect is, this game actually had a few pieces of dialogue that made me laugh. And it seems yeah. to really lean into its strangeness. I would um, okay. I would agree with that, it, but it just—it was so—it's so bizarre. Let's let's backtrack and yeah, we'll talk who, a little bit what, about what, the facts what here. What wild minds dreamt up yes. this game? So, Starshot Space Circus Fever was released here in June thirtieth, nineteen ninety-nine. It was published and developed by Infogram, and it also appeared on Windows. We've talked about Infogram before enough to have our pronunciation yeah corrected. is this just a coincidence that did infogram just release a ton of games for n64 they sure or, did okay yeah they, so it's not so, they just haven't all randomly been up they were yeah. one of the biggest publishers in france uh, and they made a big big push in the mid to late 90s to become like a major worldwide player so they started acquiring a bunch of smaller studios so they bought gt they bought ocean they bought a bunch okay. of other little things and they started shepherding these projects out kind of throwing everything to the wall and seeing what would stick and Starshot was going to be their attempt at like a Banjo Kazooie style mascot platformer that they could kind of hang their hat on. They wanted like a a face. They wanted a Mario. And uh, <laughs> and kids love clowns. Kids I love mean, it's clowns. Just a fact. Everywhere, wherever you go, they're like, "Where are the French clowns here at Disney World?" We like, want them. They're, they're it's so Mickey Mouse will come up and they'll just shove them out of the way and be like, "We want French clowns." It's like I feel so safe here. You yeah. know, I feel too safe. I want some creepy French clowns to come in here. So, uh, unfortunately, in their effort to jump on this bandwagon, their production schedule was a little bit rushed. They were able to get the game out in Europe on uh, December 4th, 1998, uh, and that's in time for the Christmas shopping season. Thank goodness. Uh, But I feel like the game wasn't totally finished when it came out. It was supposed to come out in the U.S. at the same time, uh, but I think they decided to delay it. Uh, They didn't really get a chance to promote the game. 
you know, because they were trying to rush it out. And uh, so it just kind of landed on shelves. And we've never heard of it. And it, apparently no one else has either. It didn't really make a big splash. So I think they were making an effort to fix that over in the U.S. Like they were promoting it here for a while. And then it was delayed for six months. Everybody mm. forgot about it. And they finally dumped it on the shelves without any preview material, without any fanfare. And it came out on the same day as both Mario Golf and Pokemon Snap. Okay. So I just feel so bad for the kid. Like, that's what you're spending <laughs> your money on. It's like, oh, man, I've got my allowance money. I can afford one game. What are all the newest releases today? And they pick up Starshot. That would be a very strange kid, though, to be like, yeah. Mario and eh, Pokemon, not yeah. into that. Yeah. Ooh, my dreams of being in a French circus in space. This will like, honor my grandmaman back in Paris. Exactly. Yes. Is this, I mean, would you say that this is the most French game that you've play, ever played? I mean, I don't want to yeah. like delve into stereo, weird stereotypes here, but like... It was. It's, because... All right, so the dialogue, the spoken dialogue in this game is a bunch of kind of like Banjo-Kazooie like grunts and like uh, 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 yeah. But they sound distinctly French. Like I actually asked Woody at one point, it's like, are they speaking French? Like they're they're speaking Banjo-Kazooies with a French accent. But yeah, if you can imagine what that sounds like, I mean, it's like like just kind of more guttural grunts. There's also um, a very sort of strange, uh, I mean, it it, it looks like a colorful kid's platformer, but there's a strange sort of playful French misogyny to it. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's right to categorize, but that is kind of what I think of, this this type, yeah, yeah. There's like a bit where, yeah, so the first person you see is just like this busty policewoman. Very scantily clad. Like the police on this planet are... Basically, Baywatch bays with outsized breasts that are wearing corsets. And then there's a another thing where there's just a tent standing there, and you walk into the tent, and you know there's kind of this ooh, and then it, the tent shakes around, yeah. and you get kicked across the level. You know, yeah. like it's like your warp zone. But the implication was being that you walked in on a girl changing, and she booted you out of there or something. Which and just... something about that does feel very French to me. Yeah, yeah. I can't, like, pinpoint exactly where that comes from, but I don't know. That's just kind of what I think of. Yeah. French. So... Yeah, so it's it's got that very distinct vibe to it that you can't really quite pin down. It has a... Yeah, this game has a very strange aesthetic. It's... It, it's seems to be for kids, but nothing is very clearly defined like it's very hard to tell what your enemies are and what the power-ups are everything just kind of looks like a bit of a blurry mess yeah it's colorful but like your power-ups are literally like blue star uh green your ammo triangle that's yellow triangle yeah and red triangle and I, I still wasn't totally clear on what the red triangle means. I think that yeah. those are like, they help you unlock other planets, Yeah, I think. it's what it seemed like. Maybe you have to get a certain amount to get like to a bonus planet or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, this game layout seemed pretty linear, really. I mean, we, we only got to the second level, but like... It's a large it, world uh, that we've seen. Like, uh, from, there are seven worlds Yeah, but there's not like this. a big overworld or anything. You just go to the map... You yeah. just pick the level you want to play. It's not like Banjo-Kazooie where there's a big overworld and you have to unlock new worlds well, or anything. Right. But, I mean, the level, like the actual Ten Suns, the planet that we're on, was pretty large, yeah. uh, which was to its detriment, I think, because we had a lot of trouble getting around it. Sure. Uh, but, you know, a couple of things. This, ha- this doesn't really have a whole lot going on for it to make it super distinctive other than the really weird story. And apparently, I looked this up, it says there's more than 300 distinct characters in this. 
hmm. which I I would buy. Uh, I can't really tell what anything is in know, this game. Yeah, but... I don't know what qualifies as a character. And this There's is one of the of only... blob things. Yeah. This is one of the only games on the system to support 16.9 widescreen, oh. uh, which I couldn't necessarily tell, but... It's something that it does. Um, so you play a star shot. And yes. Your your moves are yeah. So it's a three D platformer. You run around. You can jump. You can press the B button to shoot like a little ball of energy out in front of you. Yeah. And you collect. You need to collect blue stars to get this energy. It's very hard to aim this at all. Extremely. Um, and so we've had much better luck just running past enemies. Um, that's in the only. So that's really your only ability. The other thing you can do is you have a little rocket buddy. Yeah. Behind you, who flies around behind you, who, who to me seems like he would be the Kazooie ripoff. I don't know why this other character. Is we thought in the he game. was a bad guy for a long time. We thought <laughs> yeah. we were being chased. Yeah, it's very off-putting to have a character who's a rocket follow yeah. you around because every time the camera turns, like, oh, there's a rocket like behind. Because me. we're trained by Mario sixty four to be, we're being, being chased bullet by bullet bills. Yeah, we we think this thing is attacking us. Uh, so the other move is you can press A twice to grab onto the rocket and it will drive you forward and you can go up and down like the flying in Banjo-Kazooie. And it but, didn't – was this like context sensitive? Did we need to be standing in a certain spot to get this to work? Because no, it seemed like it was very so. touchy. It was – yeah. I mean, well, the controls are confusing because you press yeah. A to jump and then you press A twice – to call down the rocket to ride on, but I was trying to hold A, and then I would drop immediately. And if you want to double jump, you have to hold A. Yeah, you hold A, so you'll jump and then jump again. Which feels very unintuitive. The camera is also very odd. Instead of using the C buttons, which I feel like had been very clearly established from Mario 64, as like, this is how it works. Yeah. This is what the C buttons do, is they move the camera. You have to hold Z and then move your stick to change... uh, Or you hold Z and double tap R to make it center behind you. I think we need to take a second and talk about this camera because Oof. I feel like this camera makes the game unplayable. The camera was definitely uh, the ruiner of the game. It's not. I don't think it would be like a super fun game if you could see what was going on, but it no. seems like every time you run or turn a direction, the camera will just wildly swing around you. I feel like it could have approached like Glover levels of mediocrity mm-hmm. if it had like a barely functional camera, yes, but I it, agree with that. it just does not work. And you're wrestling with it the entire time. And since a lot of this requires some precision platforming. Yeah, the first level is you're trying to climb up docks yeah. with um, you know rocks falling on you. And we just spent so much time falling off the dock because the dock would sort of curve around the mountain. You would go left around it and the camera would flip all up above you. You get hit by a rock and fall down the mountain. You think they knew and that's why they named one of their characters Will Fall. Yeah, exactly, because they knew you will fall. You will fall. It's true. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, the camera is just it, – you, you just want to – you want to tell the camera, hey, sit, you know, sit down, just take a chill, breather, camera. Like, I'm okay. I don't take need, an Adderall. Yeah. yeah, I don't need you to move every time I move. And the character's run speed is also just a little too high. He's very sensitive. Um, yeah, and and sometimes you need to kind of crawl a little bit if you just want to pick up power ups because it the hit detection's kind of off. Yeah, uh, it's not clear who your enemies are in this. Okay, because the first time, the first thing you interact with on the planet is Busty Babe Cop. Who, who seems helpful. Who seems he tells helpful. you where you're supposed to go. And and then the next time you see another Busty Babe cop, you try and go – I tried to go up and talk to her. As you do. Whenever you attacks. see a Busty Babe cop If you see a Busty there, Babe, go you talk go to up her. and Just you say, talk hey, to how, you know, how's it going? Thanks for the service that you've been doing. Yes, yes. And then salute her bust. You know, because yes, I don't know. This is in France. But I apologize. The point is, it doesn't work in doesn't work in this game because you will work. get Billy Club. She was immediately attacking us, and yeah. we had to shoot this Busty Babe cop to death. 
which which felt, she respond later. So she respond later, but I still felt bad. Uh, Clown lives matter. <laughs> they don't. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, there were lots of little like they look like little kids with old man faces building sandcastles, and. They seem to leave you alone unless you shoot them, and then they go after you. And then you, there's but... this strange surfer thing. There's so there's sharks that jump out of the water and try to get you, and then there's yeah. weird surfer guys who just jump out of the water and hurt you. Yeah, and, and there's a big seem... actual fish that will eat you if you're too far away from the shore. Yeah, and you can't jump in water, which I found irritating because I'd like to be able to. You can't like jump, fall off a platform, and then jump back on. You have to swim back to shore. And All right, work your well, way back around. Consider this, Steve. Next okay. time you go swimming, I know mm. you're not a big swimmer, but next time you go, you swim out to the deep end and then try to jump. And I, you tell me how much air you get. I will easily do it. Okay. I will accomplish this feat with a plum. Good. I, I will, will post the video. I will don't. float on the top of the water on my feet like a dolphin and then moonwalk <laughs> while screaming my people's song. <laughs> Great. Yeah. All right. I'll do it. We'll, we'll take video of it. We'll put it on Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's it's you know, we try we we played through this whole first level and then we made it to the next world which is called Killer Expo, which is just like a uh it's just a trade expo yeah. where you're trying you're going there cuz you want to find a detector of wonder, a yeah. wonder detector which will scan the galaxy for amazing acts and rare things that you can put in your show. And they established that, oh, Virtuous Circus is also at this trade show. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you're fighting the thugs of Virtuous Circus. Yeah, I think there's like a bidding war, and you're trying to get to these acts first and recruit them for your shitty circus before they go to what appears to be a better circus. A better Let's run just circus. say it. Yeah, like, it doesn't seem to Virtuous own. Circus, do, they do not strike me as villains compared to Space Circus. Well, I don't know. They have all those headless robots going around. But, I mean, maybe they chose not to have a head. <laughs> they seem not to... Yeah, the planets that you are seem to be occupied by your circus and virtuous circus, but the actual number of uh, civilians in those planets seems very low. Yeah. They, they have many robots and manpower to, like, you know, draw people to the circus, but there only seems to be about 10 people who actually live on the planet. Yeah. And it should also be said that uh, it doesn't appear that any of the other characters in this game like Starshot all that much. They keep referring to him as kind of like not too bright and uh, just kind of dumb lug that just destroys things for money. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, it's a strange... Yeah, this game does have a strange willingness to just be full of unlikable characters. And like, Well, and the disdain extends a little bit, okay? Because I didn't tell you about this, but I, I looked ahead to see how the game ends. Okay. Like I watched a little Let's Play on uh, YouTube. So Somebody all, speed ran this game. For all of you wanting to play through this game, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert coming up here. <gasps> Go play through Starshot. All right, we'll wait. <laughs> Wait, and you're done. And okay. you're done. Um, so now <laughs> Steve's going to tell you how it ends. Okay, so you fight off against the uh, the villain of the Virtuous Circus, and you win, and then uh, but you still get captured. Starshot gets captured and put into space jail run by the Virtuous Circus guy. And Star Crash, your boss, opts to leave you there, and he flies away with the money that he can pay off the bank with and leaves you there. And the game ends with Starshot alone floating in a space jail going out into nowhere. And you get the text that says, the end, question mark. But because wow. this game never got a follow-up, 
Starshot is most certainly dead. He, he died in the cold vacuum of space. He just floats in the abyss. Abandoned and alone. And is, I'm not making this up, by the way. This is wow, the way the game ends. That's his reward for his servitude to the cigar-toting yeah. boss. You you play through this entire game. You beat all seven worlds. You get all these acts. And you get left in space alone to die. Well, so maybe it's like a French socialist critique, you know? Like if like if, the existentialist got a hold of the well, script. Well, like if yeah. you're going to... If you're going to work for, you know, these corporations, they're just going to betray you at the end. You're going to put all your livelihood and all your, um, you know, time and effort into serving, you know, the bourgeois here. Mm. And then they're just going to betray you and leave you out in the cold vacuum of space. Well, I mean, I I have the uh, screenwriter from Starshot here. I mean, do you want to talk? Do you want to ask him directly? I I do. You can ask him. Oh, hello. Hello, mon ami. I am uh, the artist who made the uh, the game, the Starshot, yes? Okay, yeah. So um, ask ask your pitiful questions. Okay, so Steve and I, we have this podcast and we um, explore, you know, different video games. And we were wondering if this game game Starshot was actually a socialist critique of sort of, you know, the the way that capitalism inevitably um, leaves the working class, like, alone and silent out in space. Was that something you were going for? No. No, huh? No, no. There, there, there is no... My whole purpose with this game is to uh, reemphasize that there is no purpose in the universe. I think okay. everything is a dead, soulless void, and uh, we are all just uh, how you say we are uh, going through the motions. We are, mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the American phrase? You are uh, polishing brass on Titanic. Yep. We yes, yep, yes. We say that all the time. Yes, we constantly say that. I hear it everywhere I go in in the, the U.S., the pitiful states of the U.S. So it's. You are ascribing more meaning to my work than I ever intended. Okay. I think the meaning is meaninglessness. Yes. So you wait, understand? Can, yeah, I no, I totally get that. It's a it's a regular. You like camera. it? I get. I have one. Um, I brought a spare. We'll, we'll save it. Yeah, I'll just I'll just put that right here. Okay, just yes. Yep. Um, no, you eat, you wanna, eat that later get, in front of me. Yes. I like to eat baguettes, but I always get like the crumbles all on me. And oh, the crumbles! The crumbles <laughs> are the, the spirit of existentialism. I think uh, you want the crumbles to get all over your body, all over your lap. And then you say, meh, I do not care yeah, you because you, nothing matters. Okay, got it. So the crumbles of your baguette are essentially a symbol yes, for yes. The, the pointlessness of, like, why even clean up crumbles on you if nothing else matters is oui, what you're saying. Nothing matters. Would you, would you wear this beret for um, me, please? Sure. I, I feel more comfortable talking to someone who else who is a friend stereotype. <laughs> there are so few of us here anymore. Would it help if I talk like this? No, you make a mockery of my very real French accent. <laughs> oh, no. It's, I think mine is very realistic. No, I, I am angry at this. I walk away <laughs> oh, forever. Oh, no. No, <laughs> I get into my F1 racer and I will go back to Paris. Your tiny little golf cart like in a... Uh Who's that? Uh, who's that direct? That French director who? Uh, there are did, so many. We are the greatest filmmakers in the world. Cr- crud. Um, oh yes, Eternal. Jacques Crud <laughs> is one of my favorites. He made Michel Gondry. Michel Gondry. Evening with the Cruds and the Cruds. Meet the Cruds. Yes, a wonderful film. Autobiographical film. <laughs> yes, about yes. his French French upbringing and um, his discovery, his sexual awakening, and, and he played all eight roles. Yeah, exactly. He played the farting grandmother. Yes, he was, he's the uh, the French Eddie Murphy slash Tyler Perry slash Jonathan Crud. Yes, Jacques Crud. Jacques Crud. God, get it right. All right, Sorry. I'm leaving. I'm getting in my F1 oh, race no, I'm going far away. I'm going to launch myself from my rocket into the eye of the moon. I feel like I made you mad. Steve's going to be pissed at me. He said, what do you have one job? Where'd, he go? Where'd he go? Plus. He just stormed right I'm, past I'm me. I'm sorry. I, I just, I went to go piss. 
like really loudly and really longly. I made more. Ra- I made racially insensitive comments. Oh, I made fun of his accent. You know, and- our whole purpose here is to be polite to French people, and you blew it. You blew it. I'm sorry. You'll have Ugh. next time. You'll have to do the interviews. Ah, oh, fine, fine. <laughs> Anyway, that concludes our interview portion of Ultra Sixty Four. That was good. I was glad he was able to stop by. Yeah, no, way, that even was if he nice left in a huff. Yeah, that was nice of him. Well, hopefully, we won't. Hopefully, he's not the same writer who wrote lots of other N sixty four games. <laughs> <laughs> he could have written Glover. I don't. Yeah, I think the comparison. This game does remind me of Glover a lot. Just a less fun, more irritating version of Glover. See, and Glover was already like mildly irritating, yeah, but like it, it was. was much more playable than yeah. this one. I think. Uh, are you ready to move on to our rankings? Do you feel, do you feel like we've yeah, covered this we, one pretty do well? Do we need to you know, make fun of French people anymore? I feel like we've done enough. I don't think we've ever done any of that Oh, here. good. I feel like we've always been very uh, respectful towards everybody. Excellent. Anyway, so where would you rank that? Each week we rank our games. Uh, we are coming up. This is going to be our 63rd game that we're playing. So Ooh. next week is our 64th game on the 64 show. So tune into that. But, yeah, mark uh, your calendars, everyone. Wear a special hat. Wear the 64 hat. Take a picture of your yourself in this special hat and post it on our facebook page bend yourself and at least one friend into the shape of a mm-hmm. six and a four yep yeah, yeah ce- celebrate you know um all right i'm gonna put this game at number 55 55 which is right under the nfl quarterback club games okay um and right above something uh rugrats rugrats in Paris. oh yeah i am back no, i heard you talk about rugrats in Paris. it sounded so wonderful one of our most beloved film franchises it took place mostly in tokyo but whatever goodbye oh Uh, it's gone again damn it Uh, yeah Yeah. i didn't yeah i apparently paired the two french theme games together uh that worked out pretty well yeah um they're both slow and irritating um this one, you know, this one had more some. This game has some unique identity. So it does. It's, it's kind very of an interesting game that I could see someone at the time maybe playing and thinking it was cool. If you had a lot more patience for some of the glitches that were, I think I feel like a bad camera was a little more endemic back then. Yeah. Like I feel like it was they were still figuring a lot of this stuff out. But even by that measure, this camera and this was pretty bad. I mean, I was definitely, you know, curious to see where the story was gonna go. And like I said, there were a few lines that actually made me laugh. One of the characters oh, yeah. said, um you know, the plan seems a little bit vague. Well, we're all going to be pretty vague once that bomb explodes, which I didn't know if that was a bad translation or what. But it was it kind of funny. Laugh. Yeah, it was kind of funny. So, um, this game has some stuff going for it, but that doesn't help the fact that the camera's really bad and it's not very fun to play. It's just, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. I'm putting this uh, right underneath... Uh, Vigilante 8 and right above Rugrats Scavenger Hunt. So it's going to be the new number 53. Okay. Uh, again, pretty low. And I have to respect its ambition and I have to respect that it was uh, it has a distinctive voice. I feel like there's really nothing else like this except Banjo-Kazooie. I mean, well, gameplay, it's yeah. a ripoff of Banjo-Kazooie, but in terms of story and tone and weirdness, there's really nothing else quite like it. Yeah, this might I be the weirdest that. game we played. Yeah, this uh, is Hybrid Heaven, but as yeah. you said, Hybrid Heaven was good weird. Yeah, exactly. This is just weird This weird. is bad weird, yeah. Yeah, so if the camera weren't so god-awful, I think I could probably recommend this a little bit. But uh, yeah, this one's best left in obscurity, I think. Mm-hmm. But Well, now that we've saved it, we've saved it from obscurity. We've saved it, so we brought it back. Best, it's best remembered in podcast form on your favorite podcast. Maybe we could remove 64. that question mark eventually. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And eventually, like, we're going to get to, like, a canceled games episode. And I think half of them are going to be infogram games. Okay. Because 
they, like I said, they bought these studios and they were trying everything and it didn't work fast enough and they went broke and uh, Atari bought them out and then canceled half the games they had in production. So there's a lot of Infogram games that never got off the ground. Some of them are always, they're like done. One of them's coming back, like 40 Winks, a uh, Kickstarter program is bringing that back so we should be seeing that in like september i think yeah I think that, that'll be exciting that will be and again another one of the very rare times where we can review something current yeah yeah along very with the rare. rampage episode yes, so. yes i've already forgotten about rampage yeah <laughs> yeah I, that was, I had so much fun watching it and then i already forgot it anyway that was been the show for this week uh thank you so much for tuning in you can find us on ultra 64 podcast.com that's where all of our rankings are uh hit us up on twitter at ultra 64 podcast you can send us an email you can join the facebook group we've got all kinds of stuff going on check out the octopus project at theoctopusproject.com again uh, you can't go wrong any of their albums are going to be great they're so much fun and they're a thank you to them again for letting i think i'm going to let the whole song run at the end of this episode just so you can hear it and thanks again to everyone who wrote in with descriptions oh my god that was a lot of fun i I think we need to do that again next time we encounter a game we don't know anything about i loved it it was so much fun and i love hearing from you guys so um Next week for our uh, 64th game, uh, do you know what we're playing? No, I I'm going to give you a visual hint that no one else here will appreciate. Ooh. We're playing some Mega Man 64. I was going to make a you, – yeah, you, you put down a Mega Man amiibo on the desk, <laughs> and I was going to make a joke of be like, we're playing Charlie's Blast Zone, but I realized it doesn't make any sense to anyone because they can't see that amiibo. Yes, it's we're playing true. Mega Man 64. We're playing 64. Mega Man. We're going from ultimate obscurity to gaming royalty. Which is a game that a lot of people have fondness for, and I haven't I've, played much. I've so. never played it. I've played a shitload of Mega Man, though. Sure. I love Mega Man. It's a, it's a whole different uh, ball game, though. And, yeah, this, this one's – one we're of the very in, few we're times in another dimension be, now a whole third dimension you might say so thank you everybody tune in next week do 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 juggle 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 bye everybody